0: which makes me feel even better about my decision to be part of the ButcherBox community. ButcherBox is offering our listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential: three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips, for free in every order for a whole year. Plus, get twenty plus get twenty dollars off your first order. That's right. New users will receive their choice of 2 pounds of ground beef, 3 pounds of chicken thighs, or 1 pound of premium steak tips for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com morningcup Morning Cup and use code MORNINGCUP to choose your free offer and get $20 off. If I asked you right now to list all of the subscriptions you pay for, Would you be able to? I really thought my answer to that question would be a resounding yes. But with the help of Rocket Money, I was able to find some sneaky ones I must have forgotten to cancel before the free trial ran out. Between streaming platforms, apps, delivery services, and even parenting slash kid subscriptions, though they all seem like really small amounts, when pulled together, that's a pretty big chunk of your spending money out the door. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year, with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. That's rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police At least arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning cup murder two is not always better than one on february 3rd 1969 a man was born who when paired up with another dangerous man took the lives of at least five young women so if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder stephen dean gordon born february 3rd 1969 in linwood california moved with his family to Norwalk shortly after his birth, a place where he spent most of his childhood and youth living in poverty, and due to some health issues, skipped one whole year of schooling. When he did attend class, he was considered an unpopular boy and was often bullied due to his short stature, which eventually led to the young boy developing what is called a Napoleon complex and was considered overtly aggressive in nature. Eventually graduating from the Santa Fe High School in 1988, the now 19-year-old decided not to pursue any higher education and instead began working as a handyman at Disneyland. It was there that he met Lene Lewis, another cast member at the park, and the pair began a relationship. Now, while working at Disney, Stephen actually seemed to turn some things around a bit and, well regarded by the local community, he began playing softball as a core member of the local Walt Disney Parks and Resorts team in the early 1990s. Then, things took a massive turn, when, in 1992, his own sister accused him of sexually assaulting her young daughter, and, as a result, he was charged with the molestation of a minor. Though initially pleading guilty to the charge, he later recanted and, as a result, was convicted and sentenced to 15 years in prison. Though he insisted on his innocence, claiming he only pleaded guilty because his girlfriend threatened to break up with him if he didn't, Steven served out his sentence and, upon release, decided he was going to really clean up his act and become a law-abiding citizen. He married Lene in 1995 and, two years later, the couple welcomed their daughter Kayla into the mix. In order to provide for his growing family, Stephen began working two jobs, a mailman with the Orange County Register during the night and a car washer at a local auto shop during the day. And throughout this period, he maintained a clean criminal record. But unfortunately, there never seemed to be enough money and eventually the hardships started to put a strain on his marriage. This, according to Stevens' later accounts, caused a shift in his personality. He became an angry man, easily irritated, and seemed to blow up over the tiniest inconvenience. He also threatened to take his own life, and even spoke about hiring a hitman so his family could get the insurance payout after his death. Things got so bad that in 2001, his wife took their now four-year-old daughter, left and filed for divorce. Devastated by his loss, a few months after the divorce proceedings, Stephen made several attempts to rekindle his relationship with Lene. Denied each and every time, he switched up tactics, and in August of 2001, changed his license plate, painted his car turquoise, and then walked into a Riverside church unnoticed and lured his young daughter into his vehicle with the promise of candy. Threatening his ex-wife with a stun gun, she too was forced into the car, tied up, and gagged. Stephen, after securing what he wanted, drove out of the state of Nevada and, a few days later, allowed Lene to make a phone call to her parents. Upon learning her whereabouts, Stephen's former in-laws called the police and, finding them, was arrested and charged with two counts of kidnapping and one count of rape allegedly committed against his wife, That was eventually dropped due to lack of evidence. In April of 2002, Stephen Gordon was found guilty on all remaining counts and sentenced to 10 years in prison. Safely kept away from his family, he was paroled in February of 2010, but was forbidden from getting anywhere near his ex wife, his daughter, or any location where children might gather. Outfitted with an ankle monitor, Stephen contacted his former supervisor and was offered a job at a local auto shop, the place where he happened, by chance, to meet 23-year-old Frank Kano. Frank, a native of Compton, was born on July 22, 1986, and, like Stephen, grew up in an impoverished household and suffered from a number of health issues. He was also bullied as a child, like Stephen, and in 2006, he was caught molesting his nine-year-old niece during a visit with relatives. According to the police reports, he told the officers that he was a virgin, sexually frustrated, and unpopular with females. After pleading guilty and spending just 16 months of a two-year sentence behind bars, Frank was paroled in October of 2001 and, like his new friend, was forbidden from approaching relatives and children. Now wearing an ankle monitor and living in an Anaheim motel on his parents' dime, despite the age difference, Frank and Stephen became fast friends. And when Stephen found out about Frank's difficult living situation, he offered to let the young man join him in sleeping in his Toyota 4Runner. Unemployed at the time, Frank often visited Stephen at the auto shop and shared the lunch that his parents brought him daily. Though they denied it, many of Steven's co workers suspected that the pair were engaging in an intimate relationship. Regardless of the nature of their friendship, in 2010, the pair decided to cut off their ankle monitors and run off to Alabama, where they were quickly caught by federal agents. Not taken back to jail for the offense, at least as far as I can tell, they tried again in 2012, got on a Greyhound bus and made their way to Las Vegas, where they spent the next two weeks relaxing and gambling at the Circus Circus Casino. They were finally tracked down on May 8th and taken back so that Frank could serve a 10-month federal prison sentence for the violation, and Stephen could serve eight in a state prison. The time away did nothing to stop their relationship, though, and upon their release, the men began spending more time together and traveling all around the state. That was until their arrest on April 11th, 2014, not for parole violation or any other petty crimes, but this time for murder. You see, just a month before their Anaheim arrest, an investigation began after police received a call about a body that was found amongst a pile of trash on the conveyor belt of a recycling center. The body was eventually identified as 21-year-old Jeray Nicole Estep, a sex worker from Oklahoma City who showed up in California just a few days before. Then, not long after this gruesome discovery, local authorities got a call from Santa Ana investigators claiming that they, too, had some cases that they believed might be connected to their latest find. Launching a joint investigation, they began looking into the disappearances of 34 year old Josephine Monique Vargas, last seen October 24, 2014, 28 year old Martha Anaya, last seen November 12, 2013, and 20 year old Kiana Ray Jackson, last seen October 6, 2013. According to the sources, the disappearances first gained public attention back in November of 2013 when the victims' family members, worried that the cases might be connected, contacted the Santa Ana Police Department and complained that they weren't being taken seriously. Each of these women had a tie to sex work, and police, faced with angry families, assured them and the community that all possible steps were being taken to find these women, as rumors spread that an active serial killer just might be prowling their area. Examining a number of items found on the conveyor belt at Jure's crime scene, investigators found a set of fingerprints on a used can of foam that led them to an Anaheim resident who worked as a plastic window installer, who, on the day the woman's body was dumped at the center, was working at a storefront next to the auto shop where Stephen Gordon worked. Looking into the employees in the area, more specifically looking into the sex offenders database, Investigators found out all about Stephen Gordon and Frank Cano, who, tracked via their ankle monitors, just so happened to be at each of the respected locations where the victims were last seen. Based on this and the data provided by the victim's cell phones, both men, now 45 and 27, were arrested and taken into custody. Both, of course, denied any involvement in the disappearances, so not long after their arrest... Officials from Anaheim and Santa Ana organized search parties to try and find the bodies of Josephine Vargas, Martha Anaya, and Kiana Jackson, who they believed might have been left in that same dumpster where Jarae was found. To this day, their bodies have not been located. But that doesn't mean that we don't have a pretty good idea of what happened to each of these women. In April of 2014, after more than 13 hours of questioning, Stephen Gordon cracked under pressure and confessed to committing five murders. Though he admitted involvement in the disappearances police already knew about, he could not remember the name of his fifth victim and her identity could not be established at the time. However, he did confess that. In October of 2013, he began luring women to his car with Frank Cano sitting in the back seat. He would then drive to a vacant lot near the auto shop where both men would sexually assault their victims before strangling them to death. Now, this was just one version of events told by Stephen Gordon. In another, he claimed the murders were all premeditated by him, but that Frank, not knowing exactly what was happening once the women got into the car, had minimal involvement. But in the version he stuck to, where Frank was an active accomplice, he said that the pair would stalk various areas in Santa Ana and Anaheim to search for sex workers and then analyze the best way to kidnap and kill them. Saying that Kiana Ray Jackson was their first victim, he said that they picked her up in Costa Mesa on October 6th, and with Frank hiding in the back seat, when she entered the vehicle, he jumped out and held her at gunpoint while Steven drove to the vacant lot. Stephen then raped Kiana and, during the attack, she noticed their ankle monitors and, with that, her fate was sealed. To cover up their crimes, Stephen said they stripped her naked and thoroughly washed her body before destroying all of the clothing and personal items she had on her. They then happened upon Josephine Vargas and, insisting that Frank instigated this particular crime, Stephen claimed he tried to talk his friend out of hurting this woman. The third victim was Martha Anaya, who twice denied their attempts to lure her away. Angry, an altercation arose, and both Stephen and Frank strangled her to death, though he said she fought fiercely and almost managed to escape the car. Jare Estep was the final victim, and initially, Stephen said that he liked her so much that he had no intentions on taking her life. He said he tried to convince her to give up sex work, But when she refused, an argument broke out and she sprayed him with mace. Furious, Stephen attacked, raped, and killed her. With his confession being confirmed by DNA testing, in November 2012, both Stephen Gordon and Frank Cano were charged with four counts of murder. Tried separately, when Stephen was brought to trial first, he fired his state-appointed attorney and decided instead to represent himself. Rejecting the plea bargain proposal, which would have taken the death penalty off the table, the prosecution took the floor and provided the jury with DNA evidence, computer records from their ankle monitors, text exchanges between the men discussing their victims, and Stephen's own confession, which, at the trial, he recanted. After making little effort to defend himself, Stephen unexpectedly pleaded guilty and blamed the crimes on his parole, and the parole officers, he said, were negligent in their duties. He was found guilty on all counts, and when the jury recommended the death penalty, Stephen praised their decision. Refusing to ask for leniency and apologizing to the family members of his victims, on February third, 2017, Stephen Dean Gordon was sentenced to death and transferred to San Quentin Prison. Frank Cano, pleading guilty, was given a life sentence. In April of 2017, shortly after Stephen's sentence, the Anaheim police claimed that they were finally able to identify the fifth victim. Claiming in his confession that the Compton woman was black, short, slender, in her early 20s, and with several tattoos, police narrowed their list down to 19-year-old Sable Alexandria Pickett who was declared missing on February 14th, 2014. A young girl who, after graduating high school in 2013, had plans to enlist in the army, but was rejected. She then left home and began sex work, which is how Stephen Gordon and Frank Cano found her. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow. Terrible thing happened on February 4th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.